0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: Welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. It's that time again when the RBA meets at the start of the month to discuss interest rates and reflect on where the economy is at. Yep, they're going to have their leamingtons and a cup of tea, sing kumbaya, and give us a decision. Now, you love my last chat with my mate and leading economist, Stephen Kukulis. G'day, Kookie. G'day, Mark. How are you? Good, well, mate. Kookie and I met a couple of days before the RBA announcement, and there's always plenty to talk about. Kookie and I chatted about what happened during the month of August. You know, what was the Reserve Bank's decision, what's inflation looking like, etc. And we discuss now the outlook for September. As well as answering your questions, Kogi, welcome, mate. Thanks, Mark. Good yeah, to be back. Here we are again. Um, well, last month, August. You know, it's not that remarkable that we were right—half a percent increase. You know, but it's you know it was pretty much consensus-driven anyway. To some extent, there wasn't a lot of um, you know debate about
2: the half a percent. I don't think so. What do you reckon? No No real debate. They did it, and I think the um, when we reflect on what they did back in. August, the 50-point rate hike, to 1.85%. It followed that very high inflation result. It followed that followed that very low unemployment number, and it followed the Fed going 75 basis points, don't forget. So in a sense, the RBA was part of the global party of hiking interest rates, and they had to react to high inflation, low unemployment, and start getting those interest rates back to a more neutral setting. Right. So one, one of the things that uh, the RBA has spoken about
1: in the past is um, net zero, um, net zero meaning the difference between the, the cash rate 1.85, which by the way is not the lending rate, but let's say it's 1.85. That's the cash rate. The difference between the cash rate and inflation, it theoretically could be three percent. Let's say it is, and if the cash rate is three percent, then it's a net zero interest rate, right? Which is where the, sort of the RBA likes to be around that territory, or just a little bit positive. Right now, they're really negative because it's 1.85, and let's say inflation is like call it seven. Um, it's it's underwater. So, could you just explain? what this net zero thing is, yeah. is, it, is, it a, is it a thing and it's something
2: I like to achieve in normalised periods? When economic circumstances are in equilibrium, and I'm sorry to talk like an economist, when things are sort of not too hot, not too cold, the economy's going Nor- well. Normalised. Yeah, normal. Well, it's not crashing, it's not booming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You should Gory have that locks. interest rate. Yeah. <laughs> you should have that interest rate approximately equal to the inflation rate, give or take a small amount. And as you said, we've got you know inflation, six going to 8% or thereabouts and the cash rate's roundabout two, let's call it. Now, the reason why it should be broadly similar is it puts borrowers and savers on an equal footing. That's someone who's saving money. And don't forget, there's not only people saving the deposit for their house, there's retirees with a term deposit in the bank that they live off the interest. Fair enough. And it also is an interest rate that borrowers get a fair level of interest rate, either for their mortgage or for Business borrowers don't forget too. So that's what the RBA likes to try to achieve. And if you look back at history over, gosh, 30 or 40 years, it's generally what's happened. When the economy is booming, that interest rate goes up above the inflation rate. And when the economy is weak, it goes below. So what we're experiencing right now is really weird because everyone was caught flat-footed where that inflation rate picked up.
1: Let's talk about inflation then. So, uh, our last read was uh, 6.1, 6. 6, 6.1. 6.1. 6.1. 1. 1. Yep. That was the headline. It was four point something or other yep. underlying. Um, where Now, by the way, you, know, you and I have discussed this a lot, but they've come out and said they're going to give us monthly monthly numbers. Yeah. So, uh, ABS, Australian Bureau of Statistics. So, when does the monthly numbers start?
2: They, they've started a preliminary set uh, and they want to make sure that they get it right. And I, I, look, I think they do, but they, they've started publishing already. So, we, we can sort of see that actually, Inflation in the month of September was 6.8. Month August. No, the month oh, – so, oh, apologies, the month of June. June. Apologies. Was 6.8. The June quarter was 6.1. So through the quarter it was starting to pick up. And, again, that was obvious given what we're seeing on, uh, on our grocery bills and all the rest of it. So now we've got this situation where statistically, again, that inflation rate is going to kick higher in the next two quarters or the next few months. But, and this is a really important but, this is something that I've been spending a lot of my time on the last few weeks, talking to clients, talking to investors and the like. It appears as though the seeds have been sown for inflation to fall. Now, I'll expand on that for a minute or so, because we do know that in the month of June, US CPI was zero, largely petrol prices coming down. That's good. Basically, what you're saying is that the increase in the price of goods and services for the month of June was... Was zero. So it was basically nothing happened. No inflation. That's after after a huge increase. Yes. But like every cycle, you've got to have the first month of a turning point. Yep. Next month, which comes out in about 10 days or two weeks' time... The July month. ...is going to be negative because petrol prices have fallen so much. The US economy has slowed. Things like the supply chain problems for, for cars... They're being fixed. So used car prices, which were booming because there weren't any cars around uh, 6, 12 months ago, that's being fixed. You know, we're building lots of cars now. Uh, so it does look as if the inflation rate's about to turn. Now- In okay, the US. In the US. And what happens in the US? With a bit of, bit of a lag impacts us here in Australia. So we're getting close to that peak in the inflation rate. And while I can't pick the month or the week or even the quarter that it little peak, This time next year, inflation will be materially lower than it is now. Okay, so that's good news. Yes. Um,
1: Is this because of external factors or is is this because the interest rates are
2: starting to kick in or both? It's a bit like a multiple choice question at your HSC exam, all of the above. You know, the the global economy is slowing down, tick, so the the, the, uh, accumulated effect of the earlier rate hikes is coming through. Supply chain issues. What's that mean? That means that uh, we're getting uh, supply of goods and services coming back. They got held back during the COVID lockdowns a year or two ago. So the production of motor vehicles, shipping costs, timber, which is a really important part of housing construction, for example, there's none around. Um, and we've also got the skill shortage occurring in the labour market. That's possibly starting to cool off as the economy cools down a bit too. So a combination of all these factors are just sort of filtering through the economy, throwing into through to the assessment of where inflation's going. And the things that cause inflation to go up from 2% to 8% in the last 18 months have all turned the other way. In the US in the US and even part of the world economy. So this is, you know, again, Australia, look, we've got our own issues, we've got our own domestic economy and, you know, skill shortages and you can't find a tradesman to sort of hammer in nails and fix your plumbing Uh, and they're charging like wounded bulls, as they say. But nonetheless, there's still some evidence that inflation here is coming down. And even, gosh, I don't want to talk about lettuce prices, but yeah, they're back to $2.50 as opposed to $10 because the growers of uh, fruit and veggies are growing them again because there's no more floods in Lismore and um, southeast Queensland.
1: So... If I was to ask you, Steve, what do you reckon inflation rate going to be for – what do you reckon it's going to be for the August month? I mean, I mean has it a guess. I, I, we're, we're going
2: to be close – like in the US, it's going to be close to zero again because look, look at the petrol no, price. no, I'm in Australia though. Yeah, in Australia. Yep. No, I think, getting, I think we're getting to that point. Um, and it c- could even be negative because if, if, the weighting in the, the – inflation rates a consumer price index basket yep. of goods and services that we buy. Lettuces and petrol, you know, to use the ones that are going to be falling. But we also buy insurance and newspapers and all that other stuff, that groceries. So the two big items, fruit and veggies and petrol, which combined have a weight in just under 10%, the prices are down a lot. So that's going to cause the measured cost of living, the price that you pay for that basket of goods and services, the inflation rate, to come down. Yeah, what's
1: interesting about this too, by the way, we're only interested in increases, yeah. So the prices have already increased. The question is how much more are they going to increase? What they're trying to stop is it just keeping increasing every month or every quarter? Increasing
2: ten percent per annum or whatever. If if it go ten percent and then they go sideways you zero, that they've they'll have said that they've tamed inflation if that happens.
1: Yeah, and, but it doesn't mean the cost of living has gone down. The cost of living is still no. pretty high. <laughs> yes. But but nonetheless, what they're interested in is the increases
2: from month to month. A classic level? Versus growth. Let, if I can use this example again for say house prices, a house goes from, argument's sake, seven fifty thousand to one point two five million. So that's a big increase, and then it stays at one point two five million for the next year. It's still potentially expensive in inverted commas, but the rate of increase. Has, has stalled. So it's like that for the consumer price index, the stuff that we buy every day as well. So for the Reserve Bank, the US Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, you know, all the central banks, they want to get that rate of increase stabilising. Yeah, they don't want inflation don't necessarily want inflation to fall back to where we were, you know, 18 months or two years ago. They just want it to stop increasing. And
1: and when it comes to um, lots of things can cause uh, the cost of uh, products and services to go up or, cr- or create that um, demand, for those things such that the vendors can put the price up. Um, and, you know, some of which we just covered off. It's supply chain stuff. Um, there's a whole variety of things. I mean, there's liquidity, uh, like, uh, you know, one of the things we none of us talk about, but maybe we should just quickly talk about is, you know, the measure of amount of money in the, in the system, like M2. Not yes. M1, but M2. Um, uh, we went through a period – well, globally, everyone went through a period. But here in Australia, we went through a period of in 2021 of a twenty seven percent increase in liquidity in the system. Normally, um, the you know the long term average run is like eight or nine percent increase. Single, but, high
2: single digits, yes. But, and so, were, and, and yeah, that tells yeah, us a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and I just want to ask you this, Steve. Yep. How inflationary is dumping money? By governments into the system, yeah. how inflationary is that? Very.
2: In a word, very. And as, and look, it's easy to be critical with hindsight, and I don't mean to be, because when we we're in the middle of this COVID crisis in late 2020, middle of 2021, you know, that, it's, it's only a year ago. We were still in lockdown. You know, yeah, so yeah. But at the time when we were fearing unemployment would get to 15%, we'd have the worst recession since the 1930s Great Depression. Of course, governments pump money into the economy. Central banks cut rates to almost 0% and the like. So, fair enough. I think the problem – and the problem came when we realised that we were living with COVID, that we got immunised and we were allowed to travel again and we could go out and about. And the fact that they didn't take that money back out of the system, that 28% growth and say, look, okay, we needed to give that injection of cash into the economy when, you know, we thought things were going to be really bad. The fact that they were slow to take it out – and in fact, on fiscal policy, they still haven't. You know, central banks are hiking rates, but don't forget the governments can spend and tax people too. They pump cash into the system. They haven't really withdrawn that. It's only the the rate hikes that are having their effect at the moment. But you know, you think back and gosh, why did inflation all of a sudden jump from you know two percent to eight percent? There's your reason: cash in the economy, so gl- liquidity. Like, yes, like global liquidity. What do you do with money in your pocket? You, and okay, it doesn't spending. matter where it starts. It always ends up in our pocket
1: somehow. Correct. And then what well, well, we do is yep. we don't leave it in, physically live in our pocket. We put it into the banks and, and, the, banks a, have,
2: and, and the banks have now got a liability and correct. they have to lend it. And it's your capacity to borrow and yep. the bank's willingness to borrow. Yep. So hang on, oh, gee, I can. you do the mortgage calculator, think, geez, I can borrow this amount of money. That's way more than I thought. I'm going to go out and spend it either on property or on new car or whatever. We had a lot of liquidity, but that liquidity sort of pretty much not
1: dried up, but it is nowhere near what it is. More, it's more around as long term average run in terms of the amount of the, the growth and liquidity at the moment into the system. So we we that's another factor that will actually start to haul inflation back, in my opinion. Um, and you know, and you've gone through a whole lot of other factors, so. Inflation, maybe you get a negative month. Where do you think the Reserve Bank's going to go for the month of September? Then, in terms of the the rate rise or what,
2: whatever. Uh, look, I, I still think they go fifty basis points. And by the way, I'm I'm not the lone ranger again. I've just been checking where all my mates at Westpac, Bill Evans, who was here a couple of months ago, but the good people at A A uh, and Z, NAB. I think everybody's on the consensus that they go fifty. So that takes. Uh, Half a percentage point will take us to 2.35 on the official interest rate. So that will bring the total move since the beginning of May to 225 basis points, 2.25% hikes in interest rates in, what, five months? Uh, And I think what will be most interesting for me will be what they say, not what they do. Okay, what they do is important. But they always put out a press release saying, we've hiked interest rates and here are the reasons. I'm going to go over that with a very fine tooth comb, because I think if, like us, they're detecting maybe inflation pressures are starting to come off a bit. Maybe the effect of, you know, softening house prices is having effect on consumer sentiment. We know consumer sentiment's right down low. Uh, And the rate hikes themselves are having effect on consumer sentiment. If they sort of start to paint a picture that, you know, we've, we've done a lot. We might not quite be at the end point, but we're getting closer. Then all of a sudden, there'll be a bit of a, oh, a bit of a sigh of relief that this interest rate hiking cycle will be nearer the end than than the beginning.
1: Yeah. So, and I've spoken to some real estate agents like John John McGrath, various other people, who, you know, Tommy Panels. They're all sort of saying we're at five o'clock, on right. the on the dial yeah, in terms yeah. of the the rate the rate rise period, um, and where do you see property prices in? Because I mean, you and uh, Chris Joy, you know, uh, you know, uh, you haven't done it on LiveWay. He is a LiveWay, by the way. But, he, you know, he's still pushing for a 15 to 25% reduction in house he prices. Is. And in, to some extent, we're seeing, you know, in Sydney 6% or well, Sydney when it comes to the top 25% quartile of, val- of value, yep. we're seeing a 6% reduction. Um, overall, Sydney's like 5 point something or other. Uh, so, we, you know, we're sort of getting to those numbers If and if you push them out for a 12 month period, you are looking somewhere between 15 and 20 odd percent. Where do you think house prices are going we, to go? We
2: could well be, but I, look, I, I'm still not convinced we're going to get falls of that order of magnitude Australia-wide. Of course, some pockets, some cities, some suburbs will we'll probably get those bigger falls. The reason why I'm still not so pessimistic, I don't think we're going to get that minus 20% for house prices, are linked to a couple of different things. One is that we're almost at the end of the rate hiking cycle, as we just mentioned. That's one thing. Uh, I wouldn't want to put too much emphasis on that, but it's not unimportant. The other thing that I've detected is is that with the rental market in Australia being very tight, you know, the rental vacancy rates are record lows. There's not many rental properties in a whole range. Of There's cities. 40% less supply of rental properties Correct. right now. Right now. So if you're a renter, what are you going to do? You Line can't up. find something. Line up and pay up, unfortunately, for a renter. Ah, but on the other end of that equation is the landlord. <laughs> and I think that even though the numbers are a bit choppy, I'm wondering whether that we're going to see investors step up probably at the lower end of the market, you know, the apartments rather than the big freestanding houses. And that's where investors tend to go. So I'm wondering whether we're going to get some support for the housing market as prices come off from investors stepping back in. And the other thing that's really important, and I think we discussed this last month, is the labor market, the jobs market, employment. Hiring
0: for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: Is pretty good, and if you've got a job, you're starting to get a bit of a pay rise. Again, not massive, but you're getting a pay rise. Your ability to borrow is increased. So if there's p- few people sort of, what do we call it? Sort of chuffing around, <laughs> looking at property prices, circling. Sort of, yeah, that place that was a million bucks six months ago. Oh, it's still on the market. Oh, they're only asking nine fifty. We'll put in an offer of nine hundred or whatever. Those people are going to start, yeah, circling around, cherry picking. not a distressed seller but someone who does need to sell and I think that will put a bit of a floor under the market. So I don't think we're going to get the minus 20s. If we do, that would be bad economic news and I don't think the Reserve Bank would like that terribly much because it would undo what's happening in the economy. That's that's
1: very interesting. It would take away the wealth effect or certainly the uh, confidence in the system. Uh, There's no distressed sales yet. There's
2: still people downsizing or moving because they've got a job in Perth or, you know, whatever. So they're selling... For obvious reasons, yeah, yeah. but not holy smokes. I can't make my repayments, I just have to hand over the keys and sell it at any price. That's not happening. I think that's that's encouraging for now, too. Yeah, and, and if I look across my own mortgage book, um, I'm not seeing any
1: arrears and delinquencies, uh, uh, no uptick in arrears and delinquencies. We are uh, extraordinarily low in we're less than one percent in terms of arrears and delinquencies 90 days arrears. Um, and we're not doing we've got nothing in a for sale, nothing zero. Across a
2: you know a fifty eight billion dollar book. Well, for uh, just to uh, again r- uh, reviewing the last month, I think both Combank and NAB put out their sort of uh, reporting, and they had very low levels of bad. In fact, the provisioning's is down. Provisioning was actually down, yeah, and, and this and is after the rate they've hikes. They've written something back. Some of them yeah, put a little bit back could, into the profit. Correct, and that was after the first couple of rate hikes. They've yeah. not seen any change in the level of delinquencies or financial stress, if you can call it that on the mortgage market. But let's but just
1: let's look at the important piece here is the lag time. So, you know, I mean like, you know, unfortunately, you know the by the process works. It takes us about two months, sometimes a little bit more, before the consumer actually experiences the higher repayment schedule. So if the interest rate rises started in May, it wasn't until late June, early July that they started to experience the first one. The first one was nothing. Um, The second one, so I'd I'd say a lot of um, borrowers haven't yet experienced the uh, four rate rises yet. Correct. And they won't experience it until sometime December. So I'm thinking if they could put the rates up into September and let's say again October. Yep, sort of surprising the futures market. It's pretty much like going to happen, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, then, then I, I, my gut feeling is that, uh, this will all catch up around about December, January. So in other words, it'll have its, the lag effect will occur. In other words, it'll start to take effect late December, January. Um, of course, everyone's been away on holidays. Everybody's been, uh, kids have been out of school, lots of insurance policies come back in the beginning of late, late January, uh, school fees, uh, uh, cut in lots of stuff happens. My feeling is that we'll feel the full effect of this rapid rate rise period and large amounts of rate rises around January, February, and I think that's what the Reserve Bank's thinking. They're just take a pause and just have a look what happens.
2: there's a lot of aspects of that that are 100 percent correct. That yes, there's a lagged effect before you actually feel that extra pain. And in fact, for the first couple, you probably just swear and curse and say, "Okay, I've got to pay an extra hundred bucks on my monthly payments." Oh, and then it becomes another. 100 another 100 and that sort of does it just catches up on you as well that's the other thing and i think that point you make about the rba pausing is a very good one Yeah, they don't want to keep hiking 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 and then realize the economy's falling a screaming hole the rba does not want a recession in australia they might get one but they do not want one and if they can head it off by sort of saying well yeah let's hike to the, the in terms of the official interest rate to 2.753% 2.753% by the end of the year. Yeah, maybe 2.75 uh, thereabouts. And then sort of, okay, do it in September, October, November, leave December clear. So you get the Christmas period, which is the biggest sales period for retailers, holiday makers. We all go to the South Coast or up to Noosa or wherever we go. And so that doesn't create that negative effect of a rate hike announcement in early December. The RBA doesn't meet in January, so we can all go to the beach, watch the cricket, you know, <laughs> do all those other things. Come back in February, take a deep breath, where is the economy now? And it gives them a chance to assess some of the things we've already discussed. What's happening in the US economy? What's happening in the global economy? Are commodity prices still coming down? And importantly, what's happening here in Australia? Has the labour market softened at all? Has, you know, how far have house prices fallen by then? Is it? 7% or is it 12% or is it, you know, whatever. And they can just sort of reassess it and if, you know, if they get a little bit lucky and a little bit of good management, they may well pause for the first half of 2023. So if, if
1: people are looking to buy a house, I mean, I know we always say it if you can afford it now and you've got the deposit and you've got the loan approved and it's the property you want to buy or it's the investment property that gives you the right yield and it can cover off the interest, the repayments, the loan repayments, then you go and do it now. I, I get it because buying properties for a 10-year It's for a 10-year period, at least a five-year period. But if you're just saying, look, I just don't want to – I'm not really in a rush. Um, I just want to take my time. I've got lots of things to do. Um, Would you say that probably just there is no harm in waiting until the end of the year or early next year when there should be a lot of stock on the market for sale?
2: Yeah, there's no real harm, no. I I think that the the weakness is sort of – Uh, factored in for the short term. And as you said, there's a lot of property now coming onto the market. The spring selling season started and already the various um, uh, property analysts are sort of saying, well, look, the number of properties on the market now is seasonally increasing on top of what was a, a soft patch, clearly, for, for housing the last three, four, five months. So that's part, that's part of the issue. So, yeah, you'll, you'll get a bigger choice. And, as, and even though we said there's no distress selling, and I still don't think there will be a lot of that, there will be people who will be frustrated. You know, they, they thought their house was worth up here. It's genuinely here and they're slow to respond to the softening of the market, even though five years ago it was down here, so they still made plenty of money. It's just not as much as they thought. So that maybe that reality check will sort of force people to drop down. So if you're in the market to buy, uh, look, there's no, there's no rush. The, the, the housing market isn't going to rebound quickly tomorrow, next month or the month after that. And we probably, and history shows. You know, when you get a 25% increase, which we had up to the start of this year, you always get a bit of a, a pullback. And then even then, I think a few people just get, oh, a bit nervous and that affordability question comes into play and, oh, how many more rate hikes? Even though the RBA has probably stopped, people feel that there may be more. We generally have over history then a, I don't know, a 12-month period prices are broadly flat. So it's not going to zoom straight back up. When it does start to bottom out, whenever that is, there'll be a period of time that that, uh, astute buyers will recognise. So in summary, we're talking about where
1: a good way through the rate rise um, period, we don't know how far, it could be halfway, it could be a little bit more than halfway. Um, It seems as though the Australian Bureau of Statistics um, will start to supply some more encouraging inflation or growth goods and services uh, to us shortly, um, and, and that's a good thing. Um, we're definitely not at the end of the rate rise period. So we're looking at a few more rate rise between here and the end of the year, then we've got the break and then, got, then the Reserve Bank will probably take a pause and have a look at what's going on. This is reflecting in lower house prices or dwelling prices across the board, generally speaking, but it's not a disaster at, at this stage. It, there are, you know, statistically we are seeing that the top end of the market is probably getting the biggest falls but the bottom end of the market's not. Some markets, to pretty much all markets now, Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide as opposed to last month, are all being affected. They're all seeing downturns including Adelaide but nothing significant um, and it's not a time to panic. I think that's probably a good thing to say. It's don't panic. Oh,
2: gosh. No, no, panic as a seller or a buyer, you yep. know. The, the, the economy is going through with this interesting transition. Yeah, there are cycles in the economy, always have been, always will be. We had a fantastic run-up in house prices, fantastic. It was incredible. Ten years. It was amazing. Now we've got this position where, okay, let's pause for a bit of a break, and the RBA rate hikes have certainly made that you know more likely to happen. Uh, and well, I was going to say, you and I are old enough to remember these various cycles. Uh, the early 90s, prices went up. They came down a bit, and then they were steady for, two or three years. Uh, then there was the pickup in the early 2000s, whatever that naughties decade. Big increase. RBA hiked a few times. We, You know, they, they then sort of stabilised for a period of time. I think when we look back at this cycle, that big run-up in 2020, 21, 22, there's a down. 23, a down in the first half of the year probably too. But if we look back at within, gosh, here I'm forecasting 2024. But, you know, we'll probably see then all of a sudden – As interest rates will definitely peak in 2023, uh, well, we've just heard from the Job Summit, immigration is increasing to 195,000 people per annum. So in three years' time, what's that another? Almost 600,000 immigrants alone, let alone natural population increase. And while it's not a driver of house prices today or tomorrow, structurally over the medium term, these people have got to live somewhere. They're going to go into a really tight rental market or they're going to buy. And by definition, they're skilled migrants, so they've got a job. You know, they're going to be earning money. So to me, it says, says that don't panic. There'll, there'll be The economy will keep churning over. There'll be a few bargains probably from some sellers who do need to sell. But uh, to sort of think that we're going to get this mega bear market where prices sort of cascade just doesn't seem right to me.
1: Yeah, I I sort of get the same feeling, but then again, when Chris Joyce sits opposite me, I get the same (laughs) feeling. I get the opposite feeling from what he's got to say. But so, Cookie, let's look at the questions we've got. We've got some really good questions to cover off. First question is from Janine, and she says, how interrelated is our economy to the US and UK, or are we just following their lead?
2: Oh, we are heavily linked. You know, one way that I look at it, I wake up every morning, what's the US stock market done? And then our stock market will follow that. Now, I know that's the stock market, but, you know, the US is the dominant economy in the world. Uh, They drive what's happening. And I guess my other part of the answer to that question is actually China. We shouldn't forget that China take over a third of all of our exports. So what happens in the Chinese economy is arguably more important to us than what happens in Canberra with the job summit. You know, if China has an economic boom, Let's be on positive for a moment. We will ride on the coattails of the Chinese economy, similarly in the US. That's why we, you and I were chatting about the US Fed Funds interest rates and those things. They drive our markets and drive a lot of the things that happen here. So we're interlinked. We want the world economy to be strong because it helps us as a major export market, not just for commodities, but for tourism, education. We want the world economy to be strong to be strong because that helps us.
1: Okay, I agree with that one. That's a beauty. Uh, the next one is it's from Zach. He says there are a lot of positive economic factors in favour of WA, West Australia. That is, yep. at the moment, how long will Perth buck the trend on against the east coast of Australia?
2: Ah, oh, look, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of the Western Australian economy and Perth house prices. It's one of those microcosms, if I can call it. No, no, Perth's two million people, so it's a big city. Uh, but I love looking at it because it does buck the trend for the for the rest of the country. And again, if we look back at that period in in the nor- noughties, When there was rate hikes, Perth prices, house prices doubled, mining boom. From 2010 to 2020, approximately, house prices did nothing when the rest of the country, they went up. Why? The mining boom ended. And now we've got this situation where Perth, even though it might just be starting to roll over, has been pretty strong relative to the rest of the country. And with that reopening of borders post-COVID, plus there's a bit of a mining rebound, Uh, so fly in, uh, workers and now I know they work at the Pilbara and all that other part, but yeah, they get a lot of support in Perth. WA could well be the star performer, I think, in the economy when us in the eastern states have a bit of a bit of a slowdown. The rate hikes, housing markets turning down here. I think Perth could be the the sort of uh, standout, and it's actually a really interesting economy that I think will be probably outperforming the the rest of the country.
1: I sort of have a similar view to Adelaide. I mean, yeah, I, I,
2: yeah. I, Adelaide has good infrastructure, a lot of government spending both
1: federal and state in Adelaide, lots of creation, lots of jobs, uh, lots of new industries kicking off, um, a housing shortage, um, in other words, in terms of being able to accommodate both renters and new buyers um, and relatively speaking inexpensive too um, compared to the rest of the country. So um, you can buy a house every five, 600,000. So uh, I, my gut feeling is Adelaide might, Kick off pretty hard too, along with Perth for, for different reasons. But but both Adelaide has a good mining uh, industry as well. Oh, indeed, it's not indeed. as heavily reliant as, as Perth is, but but nonetheless, have still got a big and big mining industry there.
2: And if you get a chance, have a look at the rental vacancy rates in both Adelaide and Perth. They they. A smidge above zero. There's almost no apartments, let alone freestanding houses to rent. So as the people go and move into the into those lovely places to live, and they've got jobs to do in the mining sector, or you know, in the agricultural sector around uh, around Adelaide and the like. There's not many properties around, and to me, that says that the fall that might be just unfolding in that uh, in those two cities will not be very big, and it probably won't last very long. Yeah,
1: and and therefore therefore by definition outperform everywhere. Else. And therefore,
2: yes, because the eastern states yeah, have got yeah. a few other extra problems here in Sydney, Melbourne, and even Brisbane, Brisbane and uh, the Gold Coast. And yes. Brisbane's just started to feel a bit of a fall too, which yeah. is it's it's they're a little bit late to the party, but
1: nonetheless, they're just starting to feel feel it now. Well, Kooky, we're at the end of the show. Again, it's been fantastic. Um, my gut feeling is that uh, I reckon you, or, you and I have been on the money so far. Um, there's a lot yeah. of um, people who are a little bit out there and they've been calling it a bit too hard and or a bit too soft. I think we've been right on the money. I like to say we just got it right like just like Goldilocks did. I'm, I'm feeling really much in the Goldilocks territory. So uh, either that or we're not um, – we're not prepared to take a big enough risk to put ourselves out there. We're not um, crazy enough. So I don't know which one it is, <laughs> but, but it doesn't matter. We've yeah. got it right so far. And, I, uh, I and think that's I, a fair and, assessment. And my gut feeling is we're going to continue to get it right. I think I actually think the assessment of where rates are going to go, when the reserve, is going, reserve Bank's going to take a pause, what property price is going to do, it's much more, I think it's much more in our territory where we're talking than it is in, in the other territories of some of the, the big name um, commentators. Kirky. See you next month, mate. See you, Mark. Thank you. If you want to hear more from me and Kuki or get educated about the property market, jump over to whyhomelands.com.au or check out the show notes for the link. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley and production assistants, Jonathan Leondis.